Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Christian Reeve podcast. That's right, it's not part of our regular schedule. Not that we really have one here. I mean, I do. I try to keep them weekly. That's something I've, I've tried to do since the beginning of this podcast. Anyway, thought I'd give you this bonus episode because I'm trying to kind of trial just doing like regular topics. Because I said, I don't know, maybe it was on the two-year anniversary episode or some episode at some point. <laughs> I should remember, my apologies. But, you know, I said at some point that I would do more discussion episodes like this and I didn't. And most of the reason for that is that I've been very, very fortunate in having a steady flow of guests. But I started to think about, okay, well, A, what if I don't have guests? You know, there's always that potential, uh, a drought, so to speak, or just, you know, a lack of interest. You know, you never know. You have to prepare for these things, right? And two, I mean, you know, it's good to try something different. And, I, you know, I'm trying to kind of mix up the show as much as possible and, and keep it fresh and keep it entertaining. And also to try and test myself. How often can I do a show like this where I just talk, it's just me for like, let's say an hour and I don't bore myself into sleep and hopefully don't bore you into sleep. Now that's going to be subjective. Some people might hate these episodes. I understand, but Hey, it's my show. I'm going to do this once in a while. I like doing this. And you know what? I'm, I'm working hard. I'm working hard to try and, and give you things that I've, sat down and researched and thought about and you know de developing giving you something developing a schedule and developing a show each and every time that will give you something to think about maybe something to ponder hopefully something inspirational whatever the case may be i just like to share things that i've learned with you and that's one of the reasons why whenever i have a guest on the show i get really excited because you will get to listen to that and see that as, as well. And you'll get to learn from that person. And I just think that's really cool. You know, each and every time there's a new person, something new, something new, something new. And hopefully these discussion episodes will be like that. Now, this particular thing is interesting. Um, this topic, I should say. I saw this on Twitter. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll see what's trending on Twitter and whatnot. And this, I don't know that this was necessarily trending, but Sometimes if you're in UK Twitter, I'm sure it's the same for other countries as well. In your right hand uh, sidebar, you'll, you'll get like these topic kind of things where it's not exactly like a trending thing, but they'll have like an article from some website or maybe some newspaper out there. And they're basically talking about a topic and that topic may or may not be viral, but for some reason they've managed to get into the search bar or the sidebar or whatever it is. And, uh, and you see it. And this is something that I saw. And, you know, sometimes these, these topics look quaint. I think about like, oh, that might be interesting. Maybe I could do a video on it. I saw this topic and I felt compelled to do an entire podcast. <laughs> Why, you might ask. Well, I've been in this situation. I've been in this situation before. And it's not a nice situation to be in. There's people in my community that are still going through it or have recently gone through it. And, you know, for what it's worth, I don't think there are any like concrete right or wrong answers because in every situation it's going to be different. You know, you have to kind of weigh up the circumstances and, and go from there. But for what it's worth, 
I do think there's an element of truth in, in this. So what am I talking about? Well, the concept of quiet quitting your job. Now, this, I'm taking information from an article written by a lady called Ellen Scott, and it was in Metro Lifestyle or Metro, the UK newspaper. Uh, for our international listeners, you can find it online, metro.co.uk. And um, a lot of this article is quotes from her or, you know, from people she's interviewed. But the actual definition, the person that seemed to coin this phrase, um, I could be wrong on that, but it's by a TikTok user, funnily enough, called ZK Chillin. And they said that quiet quitting your job is when you're not outright quitting your job, but you're quitting the idea of going above and beyond. When I heard this, I instantly just felt depressed hearing it for two reasons. One, because I could hear the kind of the sadness in, in that statement. You know, it's almost like, it's almost like when a relationship is dying and you just accept it, but you haven't, you know, kind of ended it yet. You're just letting it run its course. It's the same kind of principle. It's, there's nothing worse than, than being in a job, staying in a job you hate and, and quitting, especially in a job that you once put 100%, 110% in, you know, you were so excited about, you were full of joy and energy. And now you're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. And that's kind of how I felt when I heard that statement. And also it just reminded me of, of situations I've been in when I've, when I felt this way. Uh, for example, I remember my very first kind of paid job with a contract. You know, I, I did jobs before that, but first job when I was 18 with a contract, I was working in a supermarket. So my regular listeners will know this. I've spoken about this at nauseum, but for those who don't know, I was working in a supermarket and I remember a month or so in, there was a lady who worked there. She worked there for years, really intelligent lady. And um, I, I remember that she used to work the wine section. I remember that. And uh, she's from South Africa as well. Uh, I can't for the life of me remember her, her name, though. It's been so many years. Yep. No, I wouldn't say her name anyway. But yeah, it's just like, <laughs> ah, the things you remember and you don't remember. But I remember what she said. And basically, she, you know, we got on and she'd kind of noticed that I was working really hard. And, you know, she worked hard too. But she said, this attitude that you've got, is not going to serve you well. You're giving them too much. And I kind of, in a know-it-all kind of way, said like, oh, that's that's poppycock. You know, who says that? Well, <laughs> poppycock. Um, you know, that's never going to happen to me. I, You know, I, I love working here and, you know, my hard work will be recognized and, you know, all the other things that people say when they're kind of blindly believing that they've got this awesome job and everything's going to be great and hunky-dory. Uh, before they realized about things like politics and stuff like that. You know, I was just, and I was a kid as well. When I look back, I, I thought I was really, really, you know, smart and intelligent and mature, but I wasn't. I was just a stupid 18-year-old. And I, the reason why I was stupid was because I just, I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't know anything about how, like human psychology, how people are, how people can be, you know. Uh, for instance, I didn't consider the fact that there were people there that had been working there for like 15, 20 years and they hated their jobs and they see me coming in as a young teenager and they hate the idea of me. And so they purposefully keep me down. I'd never considered that prospect. I'd never considered the fact that there were people there that might be jealous of my youth 
you know i'd never considered that to be honest i hadn't really considered it until i sat down and did this podcast and started talking to you about it because really some of the things i'd thought about i thought about the fact that there's like this politics thing going on and you know that people can be jealous but i'd never really sat and thought about the fact that these people have been there for a very long time and maybe that wasn't their first choice of career maybe there was other things they wanted to do you know but whatever the case may be when i got six months into the job i remember going back to that person and turning around to her and just point blank saying you were right and we laughed and we we spoke a little bit about it and it was one of those kind of ah, i told you so yeah uh-huh but it was kind of a sad conversation because i walked away realizing however long i stay at this company I'm going to be miserable because I hate this job. And the reason why I hated the job is because I put, I worked hard. I gave it my, you know, my all because I've always had a good work ethic. I've always had that. I don't know where it comes from. Um, I think part of it is, is from my parents. I think to a larger degree, it's something I learned when I was at school through various subjects. But from that point onwards, I always kind of believed in just working hard, you know, and I wasn't going to, even though I wasn't exactly thrilled about, you know, working at this place, I was still going to work hard because, hey, there were opportunities. I mean, for instance, I remember in the interview, it was a part-time role and they offered me a full-time role. And I have to think that they offered me that partly because of necessity, but also because they saw that I was keen and, you know, I presented myself in a professional manner. And, you know, I continued to do that throughout the course of that position in the beginning. But and this kind of goes back to what we're talking about throughout the course of the first six months of the year, I started to get kind of not happy with the role and not happy with the way people were treating me. And, you know, I was trying to push for a supervisory role somewhere about a year and a half in, and I absolutely deserved it. Um, you know, there wasn't anyone more befitting, at least in my section for that role. And and I'm going to skew timelines here a little bit because I can't remember exactly the sequence of events. But the point is, I was denied that the first time. But it wasn't like a straightforward denial. If they'd have just said, no, you're not ready, fine. And I could have asked what I need to do to improve, etc. Right? That's fair enough. They didn't do that. They just kept promising me that I was going to go on this course and, and you know, become like a supervisor or whatever. And it just never happened. And I wasn't the only person they made these empty promises to. They made these empty promises to other people. So it wasn't just me. Because um, it'd be very easy to turn around and say, well, maybe it was just all in your head, Christian. You know, maybe you were just, you know, maybe it was just you. Maybe you were the problem. And believe me, I thought about that, especially back then. But it wasn't. They were just, they wouldn't come out and, as stupid as this sounds, if they didn't like you, the management team, if they didn't like you and you weren't one of them, they just wouldn't give you the you know, the, the job that you wanted, the role that you wanted, the promotion. Um, and instead of just telling you that, like being truthful and being like, you're not one of us, we don't like you, you should go somewhere else. Because of course, they're not going to say that. They still want to be able to control you. And that's what this really was. It was how long would I put up with that job? In the end, I put up with the job for about three years. But the point where I chose to do something about it and change things was about two years in. I was miserable. I knew they weren't going to give me the job role that I wanted, the promotion I wanted. And I was like, what am I doing? I don't want to be here anyway. I've got job ex work experience. I want to go back into education and, and do a degree. And so that's what I did. I dropped my hours and I went part-time. 
And I was already mentally checked out in that first two years. But in that third year, oh my God. I mean, it was actually a little bit better being part-time and going to college. I felt somewhat freer and like I had more freedom and such, but I still kind of very much felt trapped there. And um, quitting that job was, I suppose, well, it was a good thing for, for my life and it was an inevitable thing that was going to happen. But I think in a spiritual way, it was like, a freedom and sense of release that I can't quite put into words. <laughs> and I'm sure many people listening to the show right now have experienced this before. That feeling when you finally get to quit that job that you hate. Yes, it happened. I was very happy when it happened. I savored the day and I was looking forward to it. <laughs> but let's get back to the point. <clears throat> quiet quitting your job. I started quiet quitting that particular job about a year and a half in but they were never going to fire me that particular place there were people that used to steal from the store who never got fired it was almost impossible to get fired from that place you damn near have to beat someone up or set the place on fire so as long as you did the bare minimum you know they would keep you on and i realized that and the funny thing is in the beginning, I was worried about being fired. I thought, oh, if I don't work hard enough, they're going to they're gonna fire me and that's going to be it. Uh, and then I stopped working as hard. People noticed. And yet I wasn't being fired. And I was like, oh, wow. So all that hard work was for nothing. <laughs> now, immediately people are going to say, well, not every workplace is like that, Christian. You know, some places recognize hard work and merit. This is true. But many places don't. And that's kind of the point of this whole show today. What do you do when your workplace isn't going to give you the opportunities that you want and deserve? When you're no longer happy in your job, what do you do? Well, this whole article kind of suggests that maybe quiet quitting is, is an idea, is an option for people. Although I will say that it's, it's a very balanced article. It gives a for and against. And, and we'll kind of explore that throughout the rest of this show as well. Because... I'll give, I'll give my kind of final thoughts at the end. But what I will say is that I don't think this is a kind of a black and white thing. I don't think that anyone should just immediately like change their behavior after either hearing this or just in general, you know, one day you're working hard, the next day not. You, you can't do it. You can't do it like that. You've got to do these things gradually. But let's explore a little bit what quiet quitting is. So you're still performing your duties but you're no longer subscribing to the hustle culture mentality that work has to be your life. I mean, when you begin a lot of jobs and you, you especially hear this when you've you know, finished university and you're first getting into the workplace or it's your first job, you know, there's this idea of hustling, you know, working really, really hard, working crazy hours. You know, the job might be 40 hours, but you're working 60, 70 hours a week. We've all been there. Sometimes out of necessity, you know, I, I did jobs like that when I was at university just to you know, make ends meet in customer services. But I also did that in corporate, you know, after I finished my degree and I started working in marketing, I, I worked crazy hours and no one told me to do that. But you feel like a pressure to do so in the beginning. You feel this idea that, you know, you want to impress. And how do you impress? Well, you work more hours, you, you try to achieve more, you take your initiative, you do all these, these different things, hoping that you might get recognized for that work. But that's, that's the reality is that 
that's all you're really doing. You're throwing out an idea to them. You're saying, oh, hey, maybe, maybe they'll, uh, they'll see what I'm doing and they'll recognize it. I'll tell you what they see. They see someone who doesn't value their own time enough and is happy to work for free 20 plus hours a week. That's what they see. And that might sound harsh and it doesn't apply to every role because I know there are some roles where, yeah, while your hours on the contract may say one thing, you end up doing something else because you just have to. But any reputable company will compensate you for those hours. You know, they'll never expect you to work those hours. They won't cultivate an environment that makes you feel like you have to do that. Because what I was saying before is, while no one might be telling you to do that, you feel a compulsion to do so. You see other people not leaving their desk at a certain time and you feel uncomfortable with that. I can't count how many times I worked in, a, in an office and it's 5 p.m., it's time to leave, but people are still at their desks for another two hours. And I remember initially when I first started one job, I remember the first couple of times I, I was about to leave on time and I'd go up to the manager and I'd be like, oh, hey, so I'm going to leave to go home then is there anything else you need me to do even though that would take me over my hours didn't say that but you know what I mean and the first response from the manager the very first response was oh you're going home now now let's let's deconstruct that for a second oh you're going home now what what were my hours my hours were eight to five eight till five so at 5 p.m I can go home, right? In my contract, that's what it states. So why was I staying? Because of that peer pressure, because of that underlying pressure, the, the, the unspoken word, what is not being said. That's the pressure that so many people feel in workplaces. And it's unfair and it's, it's, it's not just, but... So many people deal with it. So many people feel that they have to do things because of that pressure. And it's not okay. It's really not. This, this whole hustle culture. Yeah, and you, and you, you see so many places that say like, oh, yeah, you know, work the first five or 10 years of your life, hustle, 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 and then, you know, you can chill for the rest of your life. That's not how it works, man. I mean, I'm not saying don't work hard because I think that hard work is a great mentality to have like a hard working mentality. Absolutely. But you're not a machine. You have to have a healthy work, work life balance. There has to be more to life than work. And you look, know, I'm a workaholic. I love, I love working when, when it's things that I love to do. Right. So I understand some people will be like, well, what if I love to work? What if that's my passion? I get that, but you still have to kind of give yourself a break. You still have to take care of yourself. You know, you can't just be working 70, 80 hours a week and, you know, expect yourself to still be kind of rolling. I was gonna say, rolling is the, word, is the wrong word. <laughs> you can't expect yourself to keep going, you know? Yeah. I, I often think that humans are a lot like cars. You know, we, we, we require constant maintenance. And some of that maintenance is just doing simple things like spending some time at home and relaxing and not doing anything or working out, you know, 
going to places on the weekends with friends and family, whatever the case may be, you know, you, you need to have that healthy work-life balance. So not subscribing to the hustle culture mentality, of course, that's an important thing that anyone should, should be doing, regardless of whether it's their first job, you know, they're right in the middle of their career, they're at the top of their career. Like, I, I, I always think you've got, you got to do the best that you can do within the time allotted to you. But you still have to take care of yourself. Even in a, in a, a given work day, you know, while it might say eight or nine hours on your contract, you're not going to be working solidly at your desk for eight or nine hours. Some people might, some freaks in nature might be able to pull that off. Most people, I think it's more likely you're doing six and a half hours, you know, taking into account lunch and coffee breaks and stuff like that. But, and also, you know, every day is different. I mean, even now I'm, I'm a freelancer, right? And I do all these different things outside of uh, podcasting, like freelance writing, acting, um, lots of stuff on, on social media. I have to allot time for this stuff. Some days I get lots and lots done. And I've said this in live streams before where people will say, how was your day? And I'll say very productive. But then the next day I'll get nothing done and I'll be really upset with myself. But every day is different. You know, you can't be productive every single day, just like you can't be lazy every single day. There has to be balance. I just feel like I'm beating a dead horse at this point. Sorry, <laughs> let's keep going. So in practice, what is quiet quitting? Well, quiet quitting might be saying no to projects that aren't part of your job description, leaving work on time, refusing to answer emails and Slack messages outside of your working hours. Now, there's a few things to unpack here. Let's look at the job description part for a second, because I've already kind of hinted at this. Oh, I say hinted. I've, I've literally just shouted it. <laughs> I get passionate about this. All right. Like, this is this is something quite close to my heart. This is I, I don't like people being used. I hate that, especially in a workplace, because, you know, these managers know what they're doing and they they prey on on people that are less likely to say no. You know, then they know what they're doing. And I'm lucky that I've always been a little bit stubborn and I can, I can see these situations about to unfold and I don't let it happen to me, but it has happened to me. It can happen to anyone, you know, especially at the beginning of your career. I feel like a lot of manipulation occurs right at the beginning of people's careers because you can't really say no to an extent. I mean, you're trying to build up experience. Once you've kind of got three to five years under your belt, you're essentially kind of selling your experience after that point. And you can kind of go anywhere and you know, there's a lot more freedom and, you know, you don't have to put up with a lot. You can just be like, well, if I don't like it here, I'll just go somewhere else. But when you don't have that level of experience, it's like you don't have leverage. You know, you don't have anything that you can really present to another employer and say like, hey, I got this. Don't get me wrong, there's a startups and stuff like that. There's, there are options, but like it's, it's harder without that core experience. You know, like where I'm at in my life now, um, like I'm not pursuing marketing full-time or anything. Like I always wanted to be freelance, but if I wanted to get back into the, the full-time swing of things, it'd be harder because I'm older, but it'd be possible. I just have to present it in a way. And I have a lot of experience now that that would be possible. But I remember when I was a year in, couldn't get anything i was told i was unqualified even even two and a half years in i was told i didn't have enough experience you had to have at least three to five years experience and 
I saw a lot of these these jobs, what they actually asked for, and then what those jobs actually look like. And it's like you don't need three to five years experience, not unless it's a specialized field and requires a lot of knowledge and expertise and stuff like that. A lot of the time, they're just when you see these job descriptions, they're asking for like fifteen hundred different things, but actually you don't do most of those things in that particular job. And normally they'll just copy and paste it from other job websites and just be like, yeah, you know, we want the perfect person. It's like, well, the perfect person doesn't exist. It's like, yeah, you might have all the skills, but you don't have the experience or you have the experience, but you don't have all the skills. There'll always be something you're lacking, you know? But anyway, um, not, yeah. Saying no to things that aren't in your job description. Well, this kind of goes back to the whole peer pressure thing, doesn't it? I mean, when your manager comes up to you and says, Hey, such and such person has left. Could you please take on this role? Oh, sorry, not this. <laughs> wow. That'd be different. That'd be a different conversation. Uh, Cause then you'd be like, where's the money No, But if they come up to you and they say, Hey, can you take on these responsibilities? <sighs> Cause I, I would have been, I would have been the person that would have said yes, because I would have felt like, okay, it's not that unreasonable. It's to be expected. It's part of the role, but here's the problem with that when you do that and you don't ask for say a pay rise um you know like a a promotion something like that something to compensate the fact that you're taking on more work you're just taking on more work which means more pressure on you to get these things done because everything has like a deadline everything has a time in which it needs to be completed so you're just putting more pressure on yourself voluntarily but again the other side of things because people will say this and i totally agree if you say no they've got a cause to kind of turn around to you and say oh well you're not a team player then oh well that's that's concerning that you don't want to help the team you don't want to do this you don't want to do that you know um you could you could say something like i'm not sure that i would have the time to to pull that off but then you run the danger of them saying oh well i'll find someone who does have the time who can pull it off you know you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't in that situation and it sucks that it's like that because it basically just creates this culture where you can't say no and that's not okay that's never okay you should always be able to say no and refuse things um because going back to the original point it's not in your job description it doesn't say that you have to do that so why do you have to do it and if you now have to do it, then, well, sure, surely we should create a new contract then, which includes that in. But then if I'm going to sign a new contract with that new responsibility in there, you're going to give me something in return, whether that's, I don't know, a half day, or maybe I work from home a few days a week, or maybe I earn a bit more money in my paycheck, or maybe you give me a promotion, but you give me something. That's what I'm saying, people. Don't accept all these responsibilities for nothing asks for something okay leaving work on time i kind of covered that before um there's not really much to add to that really other than look these are the hours you work you don't get paid for anything extra i think unless they turn around to you and they say hey if they say to you if your manager turns around to you and says hey would you mind working these hours you'll be paid blah 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 or we have this project, it's going to take X and X amount of hours, you know, got a hard deadline, blah, 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 right? That's reasonable. That's fair. They've asked you, you're going to be compensated. That's not unreasonable. But if they just expect it of you, 
or there's that kind of weird peer pressure thing of them not saying anything and just expecting it of you. That's not okay. That's never okay. Moving on. Refusing to answer emails and Slack messages outside of your working hours. Now, this one is a hot button topic. Point of contention. Sorry for anyone listening. That's me drinking my coffee. Probably sounds absolutely disgusting. But I'm trying to stay awake for you. Uh, <laughs> refusing to answer emails and Slack messages. Well, my, my view on this is I think there should... Okay. If you say you can reach me at any time and you agree to that, then I think it's not that unreasonable for your employer to sort of expect to be able to reach you. Now, there's a caveat to this though. It's still your time off. So while they might be able to ping you and ask you a quick question or something, you know, or, or just say like, oh, hey, I'm just doing it. Because may, maybe your manager's working extra hours or someone's working extra hours. They're working the weekend, but you're not. And they need to know something from you. You could ping them a question. They can ping you a question and maybe you could answer that question. I don't see that as being unreasonable. However, if it then involves you doing more work in your free time and then there's ex expectation for you to have to work, that's not okay. You didn't sign up for that. Unless you're you know, being paid to work the weekend, you shouldn't have to do that. So I think when it comes to reaching someone out of outside of work hours, you, you have to be respectful at that time. For example, um, in my freelancing, I, my immediate manager, I know I can reach him, you know, late into the evening, but I'm not going to do that. You know, unless it's really important, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'll be respectful of his time. Uh, you know, I, I messaged him recently on a weekend and I apologized and he was totally cool with it but it was it was a very simple question or comment or something like that but i didn't expect any work of him i fully expected that i think i messaged him on saturday or sunday so i expected like hey i'll probably receive a response on the monday and i was totally fine with that that's that's what i think the mentality should be if someone messages you on a weekend and you don't answer till the monday that's fine you know there's many jobs i've had where i just didn't pay attention to the messages until monday it's like i'm sorry but finish on friday you need me message me on monday <laughs> um if it's urgent it will have to wait till monday i mean i mean unless and unless like you agree to being contacted on the weekends like in your contract i think then maybe you could make a case for being alert but then still you, you know you're not those are not your contracted working days so it's, it's again it's another un black and white kind of thing and i think it ultimately comes up to you as an individual what do you agree to what are you comfortable with if you're comfortable with answering messages on the weekend and it doesn't bother you by all means go ahead you know do do what is right for you but you know if it turns into you having to do like work for a couple of hours just let it wait to monday just just say hey listen i'll do that on monday you know for now Let's just leave it here, do it on Monday, and we'll leave it there. So moving on, be warned that, this is in the article, that people might receive backlash for setting boundaries. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it, but be prepared for not so positive reactions and consider how you will respond if you're asked what's going on. This is a very, very important point because 
and as I as I mentioned earlier, you know, with the whole "oh, you're leaving at that time" comment, th- there's going to be instances where people, not just managers, other people, you'll get scenarios where, let's say, you're leaving at, at the right time, and s- other people on your team who don't leave at the right time pick up on that. They might start stitching behind your back, bitching behind your back. They may even say something to your manager. And you've got to be prepared for that backlash. You've got to kind of be strong in your resolve and be like, this isn't in my contract. These are my hours. This is how it is. And you've got to stick by that. And that's not easy to do, especially when you've got pressure, especially when maybe the majority of the people around you are saying, hmm, why are you doing this? It's not easy to stick by that. But I think it's it is necessary to do that. I think it's important to do that because at the end of the day, people are going to manipulate you into doing things, and that's not okay. That's never okay. You can't allow these people to manipulate you. Um, fact of the matter is, and this is how I see it: if it's not in the contract, I ain't doing it. <laughs> there, are, there are certain times when when you do people a solid, when you know you do people favors, but. I think even then, doing people favors in the workplace, just just keep a record of that, you know, because sometimes things can become habits. Sometimes what started as a habit can then become an expectation. And that's when it's not okay. When people expect things of you for nothing in return. Like, I'll give you a really good example. When I was working abroad, I was obviously like a native English speaker in a foreign country. So I'd get people from all around this particular company that I work for. And this happened in other uh, companies that I work for in Europe. Uh, they would send me, you know, little messages through Slack or, or, or by email saying, oh, hey, Christian, can you please like proofread this? Now, that's reasonable. That's okay. It's only going to take me like a minute to do, right? Now, Sometimes people would send through like 15 page documents (laughs) and I'd say, hey, listen, if you want me to prove this, you're going to have to send me a task and this is going to have to be something that I allocate time for. Like, You can't expect me to just like just do it. And then, you know, this is official work. This is going to take some time. And they were always lovely about it because these were people from around, you know, the the company and, and they understood and they would do that. And that was fair and that was reasonable but there was kind of this expectation like oh well you can do it you know you're 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 native english speaker you can do it and it's like yeah that's fine i can but still respect the fact that i have a job and responsibilities and time you know and the same is true of like people coming up to your desk and asking you questions or pulling you away for a meeting it's like you have to respect other people's time and realize that while you might be asking them to do extra things at the end of the day, they've still got a job to do. And when you're asking them to do those things, that's taking up their time. That's interfering with things that they need to do. It could even be a situation where you're interrupting someone and you completely kind of destroy, I don't know, an hour's worth of thinking. So like, let's say you're, like you're a programmer or, or a sort of a job like that where you need a lot of time to think and solve problems and such someone coming up to you and distracting you at your desk or emailing you with things they need you to do that can break that trail of thought. And that can kind of completely destroy that problem solving 
bubble, let's call it, uh, and, and cause kind of havoc to you, cause problems for you. And you know, it's not okay. So to bring it back to the point, you know, yeah, you have to accept that you might receive this backlash and you just need to be prepared for it. You can deal with it. I fully believe anyone can deal with it, but it might even be the sort of situation where everyone disagrees with you and you're the only one that thinks this way. Sometimes it's like that. But you know what? I think if it's a situation like that, it's not the right place for you. And you've got to get out of there, which leads me to the next point, which I think is very important with this whole topic of quiet quitting your job. Find a new job or alternative sources of income while you're still in this job. This might seem like a really obvious point, but one of the things that I wanted to stress as a really, really big, important point with this whole topic is that if you're quiet quitting, people might notice, okay? which means the chances and likelihood of you getting fired or being let go or whatever the case may be are significantly higher because people are going to notice a drop in your motivation, a drop in your how hard you're working, how much work you're getting done. There's a chance they might not notice, but there's a big chance they will notice because there's going to be a difference. You're no longer going above and beyond. You're no longer putting in 110%. So some people are going to notice that. So what can you do? Well, I think it's always important to have alternative sources of income anyway, just as a backup. You know, if you've got a bit of money lying around, you know, invest it, put it into other things. Um, you know, if you've got time, have a part-time job or have, uh, let's say you're creative as well. And, you know, you, you do like, I don't know, painting or something, sell your work, you know, just do little things on the, on the side, side hustles, that you can earn income from. It doesn't have to be anything that you rely on, but it's good to just have like a nest egg for a rainy day or, you know, something else that you can do that can earn you a little bit of money. You know, I know it's not always possible. I know that not everyone has the time for that. I get that. But if possible, try to do that. When it comes to quiet quitting a job though, at the end of the day, there's two things I think you have to think about. One is that in this new job you're going to, you might get asked for a reference. And if you suddenly started having a bad attitude or started you know, not really working as hard in your previous job, I'm not, I mean, I know legally they're supposed to, they have to give you a good reference, but let's say they, they call up your previous employment and they just talk candidly. I mean, you don't know if they'll do that. They could do that. They might do that. And they might ask to speak to your management team and maybe your management team will give them a sort of an indication of the fact that you used to be a hard worker, but then you, you know, stopped being interested and suddenly your progress kind of started to dip. And, and they might look at that like, hmm, well, we don't want to employ someone like that that might, you know, suddenly be disinterested in six months or a year. Or, you know, we don't want to take on that potential risk. And so they might refuse you. That's something I think that people should think about with this quiet quitting. I don't, I don't want to call it culture, but concept is that you know you you always have to think ahead any action in life you always have to think ahead what is the consequences of these actions what could this potentially lead to good or bad that's what you have to think about so i think that a better thing to do is don't get me wrong you don't have to be busting your ass every single day for this job that you hate but 
in the time that you do have either away from the job or on your lunch break, stuff like that, look for other jobs, go for interviews, whatever you need to do to kind of put yourself out there. And also, you know, it'll be good for you and your mental health in general. Like even if you're not landing anything, you're not getting like any leads or whatever, like it might just make you feel better knowing that you're progressing that you're doing something about it that, you know, one of these interviews could lead to something and you know things change pretty quickly they really do i mean what's a standard notice period it's somewhere between two weeks to to a month right that means that if you find a job that you're happy with a new job i mean you could be out of that place in a month maybe even less than a month you know that's how quickly things could change so i think it's important to 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 remember to just keep trying you know, keep trying to find new jobs whilst you're at your current job and don't burn bridges. Try to keep things civil, try to keep things, you know, do what you need to do to get things done. Which brings me to my next point. Give 80%, never give them everything because they'll always set the bar higher and you won't reach it. Now I've covered this a little bit before. I've been given this advice before uh, in the story that I told earlier that's what people had said to me in the beginning. It took me many years to realize this. Um, when you're working for other people, you have to remember that whatever is the bar that you set when you come into that company, that's the bar that they expect your work to be at at all times. That's the level that they expect your work to be at at all times. And inevitably, they'll try and push that bar higher they'll give you more work more responsibilities they'll they'll keep pushing it how much can we get out of you and this is one of the ways that burnout can happen because burnout can be self-inflicted burnout can be something self-induced but in many cases it can be as a result of the company pushing you too hard now what happens this doesn't always happen but often in these situations the company will push too hard you'll burn out, you'll get sick or something, you'll take some time off. And suddenly they're looking to replace you because, you know, you just can't keep up with their culture. You can't, you know, keep up with the hard work. And it's like, well, no one could, you know, but this is the problem with a lot of companies these days is that they see people as numbers. They don't see people as people. They see them as replaceable resources. I mean, look at the fact that human resources is called human resources. It's not called like people relations or human relations or something. It's called human resources because that's exactly what they see you as. Not all companies. I know I'm going to get some heat for saying that. You know, there's been companies I worked for where the HR were absolutely amazing. But in many companies, you have to remember that's how they see you. And the HR often tends to represent the interests of the company rather than the interests of the employee. This article recommends talking to your manager or, you know, maybe talking to, to HR about your problems. Now, I think if you've got a good relationship with your manager or the HR team and you're confident that it, it might actually fix things, maybe you've seen it work for other people, etc. Maybe they've been helpful in the past. By all means, go for it. But Always remember that whatever you tell these people can be used against you. Anything, even just fellow colleagues, anything you tell people can be used against you at a later date, including your actions. 
you know, hard working days, times when you weren't working as hard, it'll all be used against you potentially. And if they're looking for excuses to get rid of you in a particular situation, suddenly they'll pull up all this stuff they have on you and that's when they can get rid of you. I'm not trying to scare people here. I'm not trying to say that it's all doom and gloom and that, you know, every company is out to get you and treat you like crap. I'm not saying that. There are many wonderful companies to work for. There's companies I've worked for both in the UK and in Europe that are excellent. But unfortunately, there are many companies out there that will expect you to kind of run rings for them. You know, just always be jumping through their hoops and... <laughs> doing everything that, that works for them, but not thinking about what works for you. It's very easy to lose yourself in a company because of trying to, to please them, trying to make the company happy rather than yourself. You have to remember that like, you're not trapped there. You might have difficult circumstances within your life. Maybe you're relying on that jo job as a source of income or support or whatever, but you have to remember that like, they can get rid of you at any point. Nothing is ever secure. Trust me, I'm a, I'm a freelancer now, so it's even less secure than having a standard job. But like I've worked in workplaces before where people have been working there like six or seven years and got fired on the spot. Just like that. They didn't do anything wrong. They just weren't a culture fit. Managers didn't like them. There was an argument, disagreement over a project, whatever. You know, sometimes people got fired because of other people's mistakes. You have to remember, you're dealing with humans, you're dealing with politics, you're dealing with company culture. You're dealing with people. And whenever you're dealing with people, you have to remember that they won't always do what's right for you or even what's right for them. They'll do what fits within the context of that situation. And it's a scary thought. You know, when I started to realize this is how companies work, this is how you have to navigate things sometimes. Um, it is scary. You know, I remember quitting one particular job because I knew that they would fire me about two months before it was going to happen. Now, here's a couple of signs. One of the things was I could see that my job was becoming obsolete, which was nothing to do with my management team. It was just, you know, technology. Technology is, is kicking our asses and it's it's fantastic in some ways but it's also something that makes certain things obsolete and i could already see that i was like mm, in a month or two this job will be obsolete so where does that leave me well it means i i knew that i had skill sets i knew that i had a lot to offer but i'd have to kind of repackage it and resell myself to them even though i've been there for a year and a half and i'd achieved a lot and done a lot i had to repackage and sell that to them you're always having to sell yourself to repackage the skills that you have, the knowledge that you have and present that forward and go, Hey, this is what I have to offer. I could see that my job was going to be obsolete and that the next step forward, <coughs> excuse me, everything is trying to stop me from finishing this podcast and I won't let it. I will get this podcast out there. <laughs> the world needs to hear it. I knew that I wasn't a culture fit there because I wasn't willing to lie. I wasn't willing to throw other people under the bus. And they tried to do that to me. 
And I think I've told this story before, either on the show or on other people's shows. But um, I've worked in toxic workplaces before. I've, I've worked in places where people lied and, and accused me of things I didn't do in order to save themselves. And this is managers. And what I understood about this situation was that these were high level managers within this company. And I was just like a low level employee. So it was very easy to throw me under the bus and no one would care because I'm just, you know, I'm lower on the totem pole. I'm essentially like cannon fodder to them. They tried it. They couldn't get away with it because they didn't have any evidence on it. And I made them look like fools because I just told the truth and was like, well, that didn't happen. This is how it happened. And then those same people then wanted to work on a project with me. Now, what is the point of, of bringing up this story? Well, my point here is that if you're in a toxic workplace like that, around people like that, you've got to kind of see the writing on the wall before it happens. In that particular job, I didn't quiet quit, but I did slow things down a little bit. I paid a lot of attention to finishing off all the projects that I had. And I made sure to just get what I needed to get done and communicate that to the right people. But I didn't push myself anymore. And it was interesting because I realized at one point after I'd handed in my notice about two weeks in, nobody cared. And suddenly I was already free before I'd even left. And it was kind of a crazy, scary feeling, but it, it had already happened. And I was like, wow, I made the right decision here. Like these people, they don't care at all. And this is how they would treat anyone in this situation. I mean, I didn't do anything in this situation. Imagine how they would have treated me if I had done something wrong. But in their eyes, it wasn't a culture fit. It was a personal thing. I don't know where that came from. But there you go. One of the final points I wanted to raise on this topic before I kind of close it down is that in situations where you ask for, let's say like a pay rise and you're denied it or ask for a promotion or anything like that, I think you have to remember that, and I, I mentioned this briefly earlier, but the company could potentially start to kind of plan your exit from the company from that point onwards. Because if you present to them this idea that, hey, you know, I'd like to, you know, get a promotion, I'd like to get more money because, you know, I'm not, I mean, it's basically like you saying, I'm not happy with what I have right now, which is true. Which is true. If you would carry on in that manner, earning what you're earning, you wouldn't be happy. That's why you're asking for more. You know? My point is, if they'd say no, it's unlikely that you're going to be like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. I'm happy with that. Like, of course, you're not happy with that. And now they know that you're not happy with that, be it HR, your manager, whatever. So what do you do? <sighs> I think that before you ask for a promotion or a pay rise or anything like that, you should already be looking for other work. I think it's always better to just go to a different company, to be honest. If you like, I think it's always worth seeing what your options are. Absolutely. Always ask. You know, the worst you can get is a no, but just remember that once you've told them that you've kind of said like, Oh, Hey, well, I'm checking out. And the problem with that is obviously every company will act differently. Some companies will, react positively some will act negatively i would think 
in my experience and what I've seen from many, many other people, a lot of companies will react negatively, not necessarily unprofessionally, but they will start looking at things like, you know, offering to, to move you to a different part of the company or, or, you know, not exactly firing you, but kind of offering you the opportunity to resign, you know, instead of them letting you go, like stuff like that where it's kind of like an ultimatum situation or maybe they just might let you keep working there but they're just kind of like phase you out zone you out which is almost kind of worse in a way um so bringing this all kind of putting a bow on all of this today quiet quitting your job i think through reading this article through talking about it with you guys and just thinking about it in general, my kind of perception on this is that it's a bad idea. I, I think it has more. And it's funny because I started this with, with kind of like a positive mindset of like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe this is a good idea. I think it's a terrible idea. I really do. Because I think that you're essentially saying to your future employers like, hey, if I'm not happy at any point, this is what you've got to look forward to. <laughs> it's me just switching and not caring. Um, but at the same time, I'm not saying that you should put up with a job that you hate either. I don't believe in this idea of giving 110% into, you know, a company that most likely will never reward you for doing that. I think the only time it's ever actually worth doing that is when you're working for yourself because no one else is going to put in that same level of effort into that thing that you love because it's your thing. You know, people are always going to put maximum effort into themselves, into what they enjoy or the things that the people they love enjoy, etc. Right. They're not going to bust their ass for someone else unless they've kind of got like a, I don't know, a share in, in the, what that other person is doing or a stake in, in their business or a vested interest, or maybe even just like, you know, they just were really passionate. It could be like a charity or NGO or something like that, but they have a vested interest in what that thing is and that's what keeps it oh wow there's a dog outside i was wondering what that was uh, that's what keeps them invested but it is difficult to obviously stay invested when you know you're not being rewarded and but i mean i get that a lot of people can be content but i, I think the whole point of this cold conversation today is when you're not content what do you do well i think it's always better to look at, you know, your options, look at applying for different jobs, look at finding alternative resources, uh, you know, income streams, investments, whatever you can do outside of the company, use your time wisely to find other ways of making money and just think about yourself, you know, Think about your own interests and what you need to do to make sure that money keeps coming into your account every month and that you can pay the bills and you can look after yourself and take care of yourself. Make decisions that will facilitate you being able to do that. I don't think quiet quitting is a good idea. I think it makes you look bad. And I think that it's only going to hold you back. There's my two cents. Let me know what you think of quiet quitting. Uh, let me know if you want me to talk about other particular topics because I'm trying to expand this podcast. This was obviously a bonus episode. I didn't have this planned, but I hope you enjoyed it. 
Um, yeah, let me know thoughts. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you want to hear me talk about other things. And as always, be safe, be well, and I'll see you in the next one.